Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Josh Horowitz of MTV, and tonight's guests, Hugh Grant and Peter Lord. Hi. <laughs> gentlemen, welcome. Uh, this is a privilege for me. I am a, a huge fan of both of yours. I've had the privilege of seeing this film, guys, and, uh, you know, I, I would say the thing that links both of you, Peter and Hugh, would probably be your perfectionism, I know. You're, you are a, a notoriously selective performer as an actor, Hugh, and Ardman obviously takes its work very meticulously by the nature of what stop motion is. Is this a marriage that kind of works because of that, because of the perfectionism in both of you? Is that fair to say? Uh, it's been a very uneasy relationship, to be honest with you. <laughs> we want to work this out today. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, tell me how a casting process works for a film like this. How much has been done before Mr. Grant enters the picture? Well, the script's, been, the script's written, of course, and the, well, the puppet's made, actually. And in fact, we've done the story reel. You know what the story reel is? Do people, the story reel? I don't know if... Oh, well, let's so a story that, reel yeah. is when you, you... You know storyboard drawings, right? So um, you, you do storyboard drawings of every shot in the film and then somebody uh, shoots them and makes a sort of a, 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 a very crude dummy of the whole movie with, with standing actors uh, doing the voices, including me at times. And then... Uh, so all that's done before, before Hugh is actually cast. So uh, that's a long answer. Well, no, no, it's, it's interesting though. And, and how does how did Hugh enter the picture? Was he? Okay, I'm going to answer because you'll get a lie from Peter. Okay. So what happens is when they make their rough version of the film, the one he just described, they they do it with um, actors who are brilliant, and then when they take it to the studio and say Can, we need to make the full version of the film from eighty million dollars, the studio say fine, but you've got to use actors who will endure a press junket, for instance. Or, <laughs> and um, so then poor old Peter has to phone me, say, would I do the part? And I said to him, I know you've got some previous pirate captain who you'll be in love with by now, uh, you know, with his performance. So it'll be very difficult. And he tried to lie and to say, no, no, we don't. And, uh, you know, we really want you to do it. But he did. And I think it was, it was uneasy to begin with, but actually it worked out fine in the end. Now, did you listen to what had previously been recorded? Is that a bad idea to listen to, I guess, what you would call a temp, almost uh, voiceover cast before doing it, before doing what you do? Say that again? Well, say, I, if they've recorded voices prior to you joining on, yeah. probably a bad idea for you to listen to what, someone else's interpretation of the role. Yeah, I tried, I tried not to do that. Yeah. But occasionally it could come up on some subtrack while you were recording and... Uh, I think, God, he's good, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so what, uh, what's the key into the pirate captain for you? What was your way into, into this man at my feet here? Well, I just um, I panicked because I, I looked at him and I thought I couldn't be less like that character. <laughs> and I realized I was actually going to have to do some acting, which is an appalling thought. <laughs> and uh, in the end, I just stared at him. I thought the goggle eyes were a big thing. All Ardman characters have goggle eyes. And then I, oh, big chest, had beard, beard, a luxuriant beard. And I found just saying the word beard really helped. Beard, beard, <laughs> I, a wonderful beard. And uh, that's how I sort of tried to get into the character. Peter, are there, uh, <laughs> are there, are there, are there marching orders? Do you kind of like he, what, let Hugh do what he does when he gets in the booth? Or are you giving him a lot of direction? Well, I'm, well, I'm, trying, well, I'm trying to direct, you know, which is which is 
um, a balance between saying what you want and, and letting the actor you know, do what he wants, um, tr trying to find a, that sweet spot in between. Right. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I don't consider myself brilliant at directing actors, so uh, I depended on Hugh's talent. I depend, on, I depend on all the voice talent to do their job really well. You know, it's, it makes my life it easy is, when they do. It is fair to say it, it's different from a live-action film in that they have already... Uh, got this, what did you call it, the, re the real, story. the story reels. So, you know, what the pirate captain might do physically is already set. You know, if you're doing a live action film, you have a lineup in the morning and you'll discuss it and you'll say, well, I feel more comfortable if I sit down here or if I throw a plate here. Uh, but with an animated film like this, it's pretty much set right. that you are swinging on a rope at that moment, whether you like it or not. Right. It's very expensive if you, if you ask for a change at that point in well, the process, probably. Uh, I don't think that's right, because they haven't animated it yet. It's okay. just that they're set up to animate it. Yes, all, all the voice comes before the animation entirely. Right. It's all getting quite complicated, isn't it? No, but the, but yeah. the, the fact is that for the, the final shots in the film, Hughes always recorded the voice before it's animated, that's okay. for sure. Did you find this process more or less comparably enjoyable to run-of-the-mill live-action acting thing? Is it apples and oranges? Um, it's, uh, yes, uh, um, it's more enjoyable. I mean, I missed the money, obviously, because I was paid peanuts. <laughs> but um, it's uh, very nice not to be sitting in makeup at 5.30 in the morning. It's very nice not to feel like the whole thing's hanging on your head, because really what you realize after a bit when they start to show you parts of the film that they've animated with your voice is that uh, the animators are doing 90% of the job. They're making it hilarious. And you just have to be, you know, in the ballpark. This, this surely couldn't have been your first... I mean, this, I believe this is your first voice for an animated film. This surely couldn't have been your first offer. What, what, why were there no's in the past, and why was this a yes? <laughs> um, well, I'm a bit queenie about scripts, and... Um, I was offered one before, which I just didn't think, well, didn't really have a script. That was the problem. I remember that. They, they was, that was that the one that we offered you? Yes, before? it was. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> but it was in a. They were with a different studio at that time, who worked in a very different way, a different American studio, and um, they pitched it to me with wonderful drawings of me as this creature. When I say wonderful, actually repulsive. Um, <laughs> I wanted to run screaming from the hotel. Uh, but I said, well, maybe, but where's the script? And then there was no script, which was odd. So in the end, I didn't do that one, but, um, uh, yeah. So let it, be, let it be known that Hugh Grant is a stickler for actually having a script before signing on to a I project. know, call me old-fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the film is based on a series of books. Yep. Why is, the, is, the, is this world in particular, the world of pirating, as it were, a natural for your technique for Ardman? What jumped out about this, this storyline and this kind of world for you? It, it is based on a series of books by a young writer called Gideon Defoe. And the appeal was his sense of comedy more than anything else. It wasn't, it wasn't I mean, I was very happy that it was pirates because that was fun. It was great fun to make a pirate film. But the selling point was this book, which was just full of most extraordinary humour. And not just, not just gags, but really a whole worldview, a comedic worldview and the style and the tone, which I'd never seen before. So that was the selling point. Um, but then, given that, uh, given it was 
about pirates. I was very happy to go with pirates because they're fun to work with because you get nice costumes and you get the sea and a, a great big beautiful fabulous boat that we made. So it was a great world to inhabit. I found it interesting, though, that uh, I think by and large, you don't trade in on like, kind of those quintessential like, pirate-isms. Like, there aren't many RRs or Shiver Me Timbers or that kind of thing. What, no. Why is that? That's the tone. That, the, uh, that's the joy of it, that, the tone of it. It's um, so hard to talk about tone. It's, one thing is it's, his, his voice is very modern, the, the writer's voice. And so there's one scene which makes... Which I, I, cracks me up totally when, when the captain's loyal lieutenant comes to him and says very sincerely, do you remember that little conversation we had? No. Do you remember the little chat we had? I mean, you know, no, that never happened on a pirate boat. No, no, no pirate ever said that to another pirate ever. You know, that's a, modern, that's a completely modern way of talking and thinking. Right. Okay. And um, also, although they uh, declare a great enthusiasm for the hats and the coats and the cutlass and the beards and all this stuff, which they take very, very seriously, they, they're, they're lousy pirates, you know, and they, and they, don't, seem to, they don't seem to care very much about the, about the business of robbing people. It's mostly about um, the look, you know, it's about image, mostly. Right, I, I would think that's part of the joy of the character, uh, of your character, the pirate captain, Hugh, in that he is, he's pretty much inept, yet he is uh, very enthusiastic, um, and really, you know, he's going, what, he's going for a Pirate of the Year award. That's essentially his raison d'etre in this. That's, that's what he needs and wants out of life, yes? Yes, it's, that's his tragedy, is that he's crap, but uh, <laughs> he, he can't see it. And, uh, and nor can his crew, who think he's wonderful. They adore him. They have him tattooed on their bodies, don't they? Yeah, yes, they yeah, do. Yeah. And, um, uh, yes, he, and he's resilient. He thinks, he thinks, you know, this year will be his year for winning... Pirate of the Year. He does have moments of despair when he thinks he'll give up piracy and take up um, making babies' clothes. <laughs> or selling babies' clothes. Right. Yes, yes. Uh, of the, oh, I don't even know what, know what the proper term is. Is this a, I wouldn't want to call this a puppet. I feel like I that's the it, means I call it. A, pu a puppet, is yes. It a puppet? yes. Okay. So an animation the, puppet, yeah. So how many of these are in existence? For, uh, there's, for there's about 20 of these uh, of Hugh uh, in this costume. We also have him in various disguises because with puppets I, I can't take this coat off him because he, he, he is the coat he's, he's built into it so uh, when, he, when he changes costume you have to completely rebuild him so we also have um, the captain in his underwear and the captain dressed as a scientist and the captain dressed as a girl scout <laughs> do you have any of those at home? The, the, the girl scout yeah, <laughs> I was hoping you would say that. Um, uh, I feel like for you, I mean, obviously, this is a man that co-founded Ardman some 40 years ago. So, I mean, this is, I mean, talk about delayed gratification for the kind of work that you do. You have to wait a long time before seeing it in that kind of form. Um, does it ever get frustrating in a way, or are you just used to the nature of what you do in that way? I'm, well, I'm, I'm used to it. I'm used to it. But I, whenever I go out, you know, into the outside world. I'm always, I'm always insanely jealous of uh, anyone that performs live. I think how great that must be. You know, if, you, if you're, a, you know, especially if you're, if you, if people, if you're famous and people already love you, you can do no wrong. You come on stage, five thousand people shriek and cheer and love you and love you and love you uh, all all night. And, you know, that must be great to get that, like you know, every day. That must be pretty wonderful. Uh, but as you say, we end up waiting, waiting five years for for reactions. So. So 
speaking of which, I mean, you could do that, Hugh. I mean, would you, I mean, theater is on the other end of the spectrum of this. Does theater intrigue you at this point in your career of getting up on stage and doing that night after night? Uh, well, not really. I mean, I, my problem with the theater is I always think it's lovely for the actors and just miserable for the audience. <laughs> um, they, they know what they're getting into. Yeah, but I just... I mean, personally speaking, 19 times out of 20 when I go to the theatre, I'm just thinking, oh, come on, you know. <laughs> so uh, I can't really justify it. I think okay. it's sort of cruelty to people to right. do theatre. It'll be going on in the back of your mind the whole time during the performance, like, oh, what I'm putting them through. Yes. And I also have a terrible um, laughing problem on the stage. Do you? If the audience laugh, I'm so thrilled I laugh too. <laughs> and um, it spoils the illusion. Right, right. Uh, we're going to open it up to questions in, in just a few, but a couple more about the nature of this project. This is the first uh, Ardman stop motion in, in several years, um, and it, it, fair to say most ambitious. I mean, water, yeah, yeah, water, yes. for instance, you cannot do with stop motion traditionally. No, so how I do think you it's the most that? the most ambitious stop motion film ever. I think in, term, in terms of the scale, especially, um, like it's not about scale; it's about comedy and character. But it, the it required scale. You, we, we needed. Um, big crowds sometimes, like uh, we talk about the Pirates of the Year awards. So we need big, huge crowds. And I can tell you, in puppet animation, crowds are terribly bad news because somebody has to animate. If if you lot were if you lot were puppets, you'd be a small crowd, but an animator would have to go around and do every one of you one by one, at least at least twelve times for a second. You know, that, it, that one blinking and that one dropping the hand and that one nodding the head and all that, that that's what puppet animation is about. So, because, but that would, be, that would be quite a big, that would be a scary big crowd to animate. So we started to use some computer characters in the background. So that was one thing. And as you say, the, uh, the sea, we, we had a fabulous, beautiful, gorgeous wooden ship, which is the, like uh, the... Uh, the, uh, the, the totem for the whole uh, production for me, and that, um, but that's on land, obviously, uh, in the green screen studio, and the, the sea underneath it is all computer. This is also in 3D. Does that change the yes, the, the nature of the work? Not, tremendously? Not, not much actually. No, it didn't affect things very much. I thought it would, but the the interesting detail, which I will uh, tell you, is that the. 3D movies, they obviously they work by having two viewpoints, for one for each eye, and that's how they are filmed, and that's how they're projected, and the, and the glasses you put on combine the two images in your brain. Anyway, but you've got, you have two different viewpoints, and they're conventionally that far apart, about th three inches apart, as far apart as your eyes are. But in our movie, the, that same distance is only half an inch apart, because it's as far apart as his eyes are. So we make... This, the, uh, the notion is that the stereo viewpoint is, is on his scale. Otherwise, it feels like we're giants looking down on the world of toys. Right. This way, you feel you're, you're in there with those puppets. You're in the world instead of observing it, totally. Well, one more question on the technology again before we uh, open it up to audience questions. Uh, can the CG that you're now employing more and more, will that ever replace hands moving a puppet like that? Mm. Well, I mean... <laughs> It can, it can and does, yes, uh, but 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 it won't. If that if that makes any sense, uh, lots of people. You know, obviously, most people make most people make CG films, and it could do. But um, we love doing it this hands-on way yeah. you know, and care about it. You know, and I think and I think I think it looks great, and I think it's good for the audience to have something different occasionally rather than a constant diet of slick CG movies. 
Absolutely. <laughs> so in your experience, if you saw a, a scene done two ways, that scene, for instance, with CG yeah. and with stop motion, you think you could tell the difference? Yes. I, think, yeah, I, hope, I hope that people tell the difference. Yeah. Ours is um, uh, less perfect. But that's a good thing, I reckon. Ours is less perfect, but livelier, Absolutely. I think. Hi. Uh, two questions. Um, the first is, who are your co-stars in the movie? And did you do any scenes with them, or were you in the booth by yourself for the entire film? Uh, there are other people in the film, but I forget who they are. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a bunch of very good uh, British actors. I mean, uh, David Tennant, Doctor Who is in it, and Amelda Staunton is Queen Victoria. Um, um, Brendan Gleeson is one of my ah. crew. That's, uh, uh, and that's Martin Freeman is the... Uh, Martin your, Freeman, the guy from the English office, you know. He's, he's the part of the scarf, my assistant. And uh, yes, but I was not really allowed to meet them. That's not how it works. Um, mainly, I'm sitting in a... or well, standing in a damp cellar in London <laughs> with a bearded madman um, <laughs> making me say a vast 59 times before he's happy. Um, so that was the main experience. So second question, you're not into theater, but as for TV goes, if you could or had to be on any reality show, which one would it be? Oh, uh, Real Housewives of New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's kind of the obvious answer, really. Yeah. Another yeah. question right here in, in the center. Uh, nice to meet you. My, my question is to Peter. Uh, you're talking about the story reels uh, after you do the storyboards and the temp voices. Uh, I would like to know if you think this is a, a good tool to fine-tune the, the jokes on, on the screenplay and if you think uh, this kind of process would be helpful for a live-action film as well. Um, no, I don't, I, wouldn't, I don't think for live-action. The thing about animation is, the thing that kills you about it is... It, it's very hard to rehearse. That's the, that's the thing. Um, it's hard to rehearse and it's hard to edit because you can't afford to shoot five times as much as you're going to use. You can't afford, you, you, you can only afford to cut a tiny fraction of what you shoot. So you have to be very, very accurate about that. So that's what the story reel is for. The story reel is for try, trying to get the edit right before you start shooting. And it's kind of a place to rehearse so that... We, you take a scene like that little scene we saw, the first one, the, um, we call it Ham Night, where the captain's talking to his crew. I mean, you could bet that that was um, shot, edited five or six times before it was finished. Um, and in that context, you can try different things. You, yes, dif different cuts, um, different shots, different jokes and you edit it there. So, that's, so it's, it's really priceless for animation. But I, I don't see it going to live action, no. Are you tempted at all by, I mean, several Pixar directors in recent years have tried their hand at live action. Yeah. Any interest whatsoever? Or is no, far too scary. To it. <laughs> Everything would move so fast, I, would, I, I wouldn't know what to do. Uh, let's continue with the questions out there, yeah. Over here on the opposite side. Over here, you can stand up. Hi, Hugh and Peter. Um, Hugh, you know if you're, you're known for your sort of physical traits, your expressions, your mannerisms, your hair once upon a time. What's it like to actually just be a voice? Um, well, 
it's a relief, really, in a way. I mean, it's, it's lovely not to, as I say, to rely on other people to, to, to do most of the performance. I do things in this film that I can't do as an actor. I, I do stunts, I do uh, physical comedy, emotion. Um, <laughs> and all provided by the geniuses at, at Ardman. So uh, it's nice, relaxing. It is also, it's also true to say that, that sometimes I would say to you and to the other actors, like, um, you will have a face later. I mean, I know, I know it's shot in isolation in a sterile... Well, let's face it, in a damp cellar. Let's face it. But, um, you know, um, they, the face will be back in there. So, like, if there's a gap for thought, a hesitation for thought... In fact, I love those things. The more the, the, more the merrier. That's where the animators have can do the acting so um, we often try to catch silent moments third row front and center sorry hello Um, my question is for Hugh Um, I forget what I was going to (laughs) ask oh um, when did you um, what did you first think of Wallace and Gromit and when did when did you first see that have that influence your um uh, method for doing participating in a movie like that? Well, I can't remember when I saw Wallace and Gromit, but I did love it. I mean, I've loved all their stuff, really. Um, in fact, going right back, when I was a child, uh, there was a program on the TV for the deaf, which for some reason I also watched. <laughs> and um, it had uh, a brilliant little plasticine figure called Morph, and we used to look forward to the Morph bit. And guess who invented Morph and animated him? Peter Lord. And um, one of my most prized possessions now is he's made me a Morph. Um, and it sits in the middle of my dining table. Mm. Yeah. Will we see another uh, Wallace and Gromit film in the near to long-term future? Not, not near, no. I'm actually sure you will because Nick loves them so much. But he's not working on one right now. No, he's not. He's working on a different movie at the moment. But I'm sure they'll be back. Anyone else? Questions? Raise your hand. Got one right here in the back. Hello. um, This is for Hugh or Peter. I have a book that um, is the Port Orland Park, and it's animated into an app now. And I was wondering if you have, at the Tribeca Film Festival, we have a lot of independent artists or creative people that would like to know, how do you move your book to an adaptation for, um, you know, screen, small screen or big screen? <laughs> Very slowly is the, is, is, is the short answer. I mean, it's, it, it's interesting because I'm in the, uh, you know, for my sins, I'm in the, the feature film business now, and not only with us, our man, but visiting Sony, working with Sony, and previously working with... Um, DreamWorks and having friends at Pixar, I just see this incredible slow motion process with book, book to film. I mean, terrifying. I mean, well, not, well, not terrifying, but you know, don't, it's a long game. It's a long game. You know, um, you know, five five years and nothing happens, and then and then somebody finds a way and it gets. I tell you, a very interesting, anecdotally interesting one was Shrek, which became such a big hit. And DreamWorks had that book, you know, four well, I mean, eight or nine years before the film was finally released. And they kept trying to, to make, 
to make this thing work and 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 they couldn't find the tone at all and it, it was quite a light not light slim children's book with not much story you know and they worked and worked and worked and and, and nearly abandoned it you know and spent millions and then in that case happily found that that tone they found which is a big success so um uh, it's a lot of work it's a lot of work we have time for two more questions the first one uh, to your left right over here hello um, it's about the movie The Monkey um, whose servant is he and uh, why can't he talk and is he good or bad <laughs> what was the first question? The monkey, about the monkey about Mr. Bobo yeah, what was the first question what? Who's, who's is he Who, whose servant is he Whose servant, servant is he? Like, he looks like a servant. So. Oh, yes. He's, he's Charles Darwin's servant, um, which is historically true. And um, like so much of this film. Uh, and, uh, he can't talk. He, he can't talk, no, but he holds up cards. And uh, he's... Well, he's evil, but he has a character arc. Um, you'll see in the film... It is truly the best portrayal of Charles Darwin I've ever seen on film. Yes. And you have also Queen Victoria, a uh, cameo by the Elephant Man. There's some wonderful uh, true life portrayals. Very this. true life, yes, yes. And his historically faithful, of course, uh, of course. more or less. More or less. <laughs> uh, I guess one more. We've we'll got one, one more right question. over here to your right. Two or one? Can I ask two questions or just one? Yeah. Okay. Um, Peter. You took some flack about the leprosy scene. Yeah. What, did, what did that take out of you? I mean, that must have ate your heart out when all that happened, because that's kind of nasty. Well, I didn't, it was, it's just annoying. It's, yeah. an, it's, annoy, it's annoying. I mean, it's, it was a, um, a, a schoolboy joke. Um, and, um, and it's a comedy. And it's comedy. And, <laughs> and comedy um, normally goes around you know, offending people. That's kind of almost what it's meant to do, in a way. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I suppose I just thought, you know, there's certain people one doesn't mind offending at all, mm -hmm. um, but maybe a largely poor, disadvantaged, silent, silent uh, minority wasn't, wasn't, wasn't fun. Actually, what's annoying is we weren't making fun of them in any sense at all. No. No, per, no but, but, uh, but we were respectful of their feelings in the end. Now, yeah. now it's on you to end on a happier note. Here we oh, go. I'll end on okay, <laughs> right down there. Hugh, rumor has it that your life has become a little bit more interesting the past year, that you're a more interesting person, a little bit multifaceted, and that uh, it's possible that there's a film being made of your life and that Johnny Depp is going to cover you. <laughs> I didn't know any of that. Um, <laughs> Well, that'll be should do it. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that. Um, well, coming soon to a theater near you, Ardman presents the Hugh Grant story. We'll look out for it. Um, thank you all so much for coming out tonight. Thank you guys. Peter Ward, Hugh Grant, Pirates opens on April 27th. Thank you guys. <laughs>